Hey, Attached to Hygiene listeners, Jack here to introduce this week's episode. Now, this episode is one that originally aired about a year ago, but given that we just celebrated World Continents Week in late June, I thought it might be fitting to re-air this episode so you all can hear the experiences of people who are managing incontinence in their lives and hear their feedback on the products they use. And now, we'll get on to the episode. If you design and produce incontinence products, you know that products have evolved quite a bit in the last 20 or 30 years. And the people who use them would certainly acknowledge that. But those same people who are managing incontinence are often already dealing with shame, embarrassment, and fear from their condition. And if the product they use fails them and their condition is outed or they're embarrassed in public, can have serious consequences on their mental health and well-being and their lives overall. If it fails, they don't care if a product is thinner or more sustainable or more stylish. With a condition like incontinence, the product just has to work. And for a producer like you, getting that product to work is a big challenge given all of the variables involved. People with incontinence not only have different degrees and severities of the condition, but also are different sizes and weights, have different activity levels, and prefer different types of products. So while this is challenging, it is absolutely critical that producers, as well as everyone else supporting the supply chain, listen closely to these voices and continually work to find new ways to improve these products. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the products, it's about the dignity and quality of people's lives. And what could be more important than that? So how can you do that? Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your consumers. For today's episode, we're partnering with Alan Cottonton. Alan is Emeritus Professor of Incontinence Technology at University College London, and he has spent the last 40 years studying technology for managing incontinence. But even though Alan's title and experience with incontinence technology by itself would be enough to call him an expert on the subject, that isn't the main reason we asked him to join the show today. No, the reason we asked him to join us today is because as part of his studies over the last 40 years, he has spent a lot of time speaking with people across the globe about how they manage their incontinence. He has spoken with dozens, if not hundreds of people about their experience with incontinence, the impact it has had on their lives and how they manage it. And one of the ways he has had these conversations is through panels, where he interviews multiple people at the same time about their incontinence. And given that he has decades of experience in running these panels, we asked him to do this for the podcast today. Luckily, he agreed, as did three panelists who were not only willing to speak about their experience, but let us record their stories and feedback on products so that we could share that with you. Each one of them will share their experience with incontinence and how they manage it on a daily basis, and then share what improvements or changes they'd like to see made 
to the products that are available on the market. Also that you can then take that information and design and produce better absorbent incontinence products. Joining me today to facilitate this incontinence product user panel is Alan Cottonen. Alan, thank you for joining us today. Before I have you introduce our panelists, I'd like to have you briefly introduce yourself to our audience. So please, please introduce yourself. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Emeritus Professor of Incontinence Technology at University College London. I started out life as, as a material scientist. That was my first training. But for the last 40 years or so, my passion has been working with technology for managing incontinence, which is a rather strange thing for a material scientist to do, I guess. Of course, people who have incontinence would really rather like to be cured, but we can't always do that. That's not always possible. So, so then the focus has to lift on to what we can do to manage the leakage that can't be prevented. And that's, that's where my focus has been. And if you want to do that well, then you better find out from the people who are going to use these products what is important to them, what matters, and so on. So I've actually spent a lot of time over those 40 years talking with people like the panel of folk that we have with us today, because they all of them have misbehaving bladders that they have to manage in one way or another. And they have very kindly agreed to explain to us, to share with us what that's like, how they manage it what their dreams might be for products that would deal with things better. So let me start by introducing them to you, and then we'll, we'll kick off by asking some questions. So first off, we have a lady called Tonica, who's from the Netherlands. And then from the UK, we have Rebecca, and we also have Chris. Between them have a diversity of, of experiences of this business of managing misbehaving bladders and possibly bowels. I'm sure they'll tell us about that if that's part of the equation too. So can we start with you, Tonica? I wonder if you could just tell us uh, how, does, how does your bladder misbehave and, and what impact does that have on you? Well, it's my bladder and my bowels, so it's quite a lot of impact. And I've got urge problems, but I've also got uh, Parkinson's disease. So I'm not and, and never quick enough on the toilets. And I manage that with huge pets. It affects my life because it, it sometimes got leakage and I'd hardly dare to go outside. So that restricts what you can do both at home and in terms of what you can do outside of the home too. Is that, is that yes, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Wow. And you mentioned your bowel. How does that fit into the mix? Oh, well, that started about my puberty. And I've got obstipation. And as bad as, I have to look for the word, paradoxal diarrhea. And is absolutely hell. And right. All the things I used, and I consequently used laxation stuff. And I, yeah. Every day I have to do anal irrigation to keep my bowels going. And yeah. even then, I quite often uh, miss the toilet. Okay, so that's, that's quite a, a complex of issues for you to think yeah. about over and above um, the ordinary things of life. Well, thank you for that. Let's see, Rebecca, or do we call you Spider-Man? I see this amazing poster on the wall behind you. <laughs> no, 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 Spider-Man will get in on the act somewhere. But what, so <laughs> tell us about your, your bladder. What does it do? Right, so I think mine probably started 
postnatal. So I've got two children, but my first daughter had complications with the birth. She decided to come out. Since we're on Superman, superhero, she came out like Superman. So she came out with a hand and her arm over her head, which obviously stretched me to the limits. And I thought afterwards the, the leakage that I was getting was something that every mother got, but it's just continued. And my daughter is now going to be 18 soon. So, so I still have that issue. The other issue I have is that my bladder doesn't empty properly. So when I think I've finished going to the toilet, there's always a little egg cup full of wee just sitting there that will catch me out next time I sneeze or cough or laugh or do anything. So those are the issues that I have. Now, I'm a really fit person. So I do Pilates, I do yoga, I do HIIT training, I even do pole class lessons. So my core is absolutely spot on and I do do pelvic floors. But unfortunately, all that aside, I still do have these problems. So it's it's minimal and I can manage it in a way. But there are times that it does catch me out and it can be obviously quite embarrassing. So, Gotcha. So it sounds as if the leakage you're talking about is perhaps less than Tonica is describing, but maybe the not knowing is quite a factor for you, the risk all the time. Is that, yeah, is that I mean, it can literally happen. You know, obviously it's worse when I've got colds and coughs, but I also, I'm also a hay fever sufferer. So the summer is always a bad time for me. And of course, you tend to be wearing skimpier clothing in the summer or tight jeans or I quite often, I've said I'm a fit person, I'm constantly wearing leggings and I've had situations where I've had to walk around with, you know, wet patches. So, yeah, it does get in the way. Thank you. How about you, Chris? Hi there, Alan. Yeah, I've got more of a similar story to Tonica and I started out with bedwetting, uh, urinary uh, problems at night, but then I've gone on to have an overactive bladder in the day and then about four or five years ago, I started to have issues with my bowels as well. I was born with quite a rare metabolic condition, and I'm not sure whether that may, it's not down as one of the main symptoms of that condition, but I think it may have exacerbated. I'm similar to Tonica in a sense, I, I really do use big products. I will lose the whole bladder. I've got overactive bladder, so... I get to the door with a classic key in the in the lock and then I will go. I get out my car or I hear running water. And also, unfortunately, I've got overactive bowels and I've also got recently diagnosed with bowel bile malabsorption issues, which gives me loose bowels. And then unlike Rebecca, my I haven't got a very good core and my pelvic floor isn't brilliant. And that combination has left me effectively doubly incontinent. I've got a son that's 11, so I, I still have to carry on and go out and do things. And it just means I've ended up you know, having to use very big products. And like everyone with this issue, the embarrassment, the shame, like Tonica, products don't always work. And there's always that fear that you're going to have an accident that's going to be obvious to people. And obviously bowel issues are harder to hide and it doesn't matter how long you've had the issue for it's still when you're out in public it's you know not the thing you're ex you're expected to do so it, you carry all this shame and embarrassment and even the products as, as Rebecca was saying I in the summer 
I like to wear shorts. I don't want to necessarily. But then I end up having to think about the color of the shorts. I have to think about whether you can see a pad. I always wear a T-shirt. So you can't switch off from it. You know, everything requires planning, you know, where the loos are, where you can change and all that sort of thing. It's difficult. So are there things, Chris, that you you don't do that you would like to because of this? Or is it you do those things, but they are harder work, you have to think about them more? There are things I don't do. I'd like to go swimming. I'd, right. I'd like to go swimming. And I, and I like Tonica. I, I do bowel clearance that helps. And I know that. But again, I, I closely sympathise with her that it doesn't always work. So, yeah, you might. Or with Rebecca, with a little bit of leakage, you know, you get everything out and you think everything's out and then you still have a problem with three or four hours later. So things like right. swimming, I'd like to go swimming and I can't. But I try I, lots of things like shopping, going out, picking my son up from school. I've got to do. But yeah, something wow. like swimming, which I would like to do, I don't do because of the fear of the issues it would bring on. Gotcha. So it sounds like that's a kind of a mix of things that you don't do. We're just on the too difficult pile. There are other things that you do, but you have to plan some more and there are risks involved. And and, and I see the others nodding as I'm saying this. And, and in fact, they were nodding as you were describing. So there's a kind of a, I think we're talking the same language here. How about you, Tonica? I didn't ask you too much about the impact on your life. Are there things that you can't do that you would like to or things that are very difficult difficult, well touch and go but yes the swimming is a big part for uh, for me as well i don't Mm -hmm. dare it they've got anal tampons but they don't work at all i hit them out immediately so that doesn't work and Mm -hmm. also the insecurity you feel that's the main problem if it's gone wrong once you're absolutely scared to death that it happens again right you feel So I always have to go out, if I go out, with an extra bag with my clean stuff, packages, and that's quite a size. It's not a normal handbag or a shopper. It's more. Yeah. And I always have to look after if it's the same color so they won't see that I changed, things Uh, like that. Okay, gotcha. It's funny. And if you don't have to do it, it sounds not too bad. But if you have to do it constantly, it's difficult. And also, I've got another problem, to go to bed in that funny uh, diaper kind of thing. That's not nice either. Right, right. And do you you sleep away from home sometimes? Can you go on vacation or how does that? Well, yes, we do. But we have to go by car because I have to take such a huge amount of stuff that I only can go uh, on holiday by car. Yeah. Understood. How about you, Rebecca? Are there particular restrictions for you, particular things that you can't do or that are too difficult or energy consuming? Yeah, I think the key word there was planning ahead. So, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, my issues are quite significantly less than my, my two friends here. But I loved what um, was said about taking a change of clothes that's the same colour. What a clever idea, so that people don't realise that you've changed. I mean, I quite often layer up. So if I do have an accident, then I can take something off and I can tie it around my waist. Sorry, can I just say, by layer up, you mean you're wearing several layers of clothes, Wearing several layers, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I need to make sure that wherever we're going, that there's going to be a toilet available. So I'm a dog walker. So obviously you don't get toilets necessarily out in the public. So thinking back, I think those probably most of the times that I've been caught out actually whilst I've been walking the dogs. But then it doesn't matter. I'm out in the field somewhere and nobody's going to see that I've, I've wet myself. So that's not a problem. But yeah, I think a family with um, several issues anyway, obviously we, I've mentioned in the introduction that we, um, my kids have got autism, but um, we also have celiac disease in the family as well. So we're, we're quite familiar with digestive problems and what comes as a result of that. And so it's quite a natural thing for us to plan ahead for these sorts of things anyway. So I have to plan ahead for my daughter for toilet stops just in case she got contaminated anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think planning ahead is, is a key thing. So I don't think anything is necessarily not in my reach, but it's just that I have to plan ahead to be able to do those things. Yeah, yeah. got you. Something that you each have mentioned in your ways is secrecy involved as it were you know that you're trying to cover this thing up there's a secrecy issue here is that am I right is that a big thing for you I'm guessing you don't tell everybody what your situation is and you don't want to broadcast it publicly but is that is that somewhere near the core of what you're talking about Chris you're nodding away here is that do you identify with that yeah no no I do I mean I doing something like this I wouldn't have been able to do a few years ago I've got better at talking to people, but there are close friends that know about my condition, and there are close friends that don't know about my condition, and there are work colleagues that know about it, and work colleagues that don't know about it. And it, it's, um, I do hide it, and there's obviously situations I have pads delivered, and they've gone to the wrong address, and I don't necessarily want my neighbours to know about it. And even in a healthcare environment, I don't always want the healthcare professionals to know about it either because I don't want to be defined in in those terms and there is this shame and guilt and hidden world and as Tonica said I I have a bag as well and I've put all my stuff and like Tonica I have a big bag but I put it in like a laptop bag and I've got multiple layers of things so if it does flip open it's not obvious that there's pads in there or things so my clothing reflects that I hide the pad I always wear a t-shirt a double t-shirt so that there's no obvious sign that I've got a pad on it does become this you know shameful hidden world and you know it's like saying about traveling away from home the hotel room is a public private space and you know you sometimes forget that people will come in to change the bed or or do things so even in that environment that's your private space you still got to think about make sure my pads are hidden away or so it is a very difficult issue to to deal with because there is the shame and the secrecy around it. Is that making sense to you, Tonica? You seem to be nodding. Well, some of it. I'm not very shy about it. Even my grandchildren know grandma's wearing nappies as well. So uh, that's another point. But I feel that if you talk about it, the, the other person is very shy about it or even offended that you talk about something like that but i use this kind of thing to announce it you know i say i'm oh next week i'm going to do a webinar with uh that's about incontinence and that makes a bit uh, more sense it did occur to me that i was asking the wrong people that question because you've just agreed to 
do this very public thing. So I guess I should be asking the million people that would have declined. How about you, Rebecca? Is it is secrecy? Is that an issue for you also? I'm not a very secret person. <laughs> um, I've got some social media channels because um, in my other world, in my other life, I'm a blogger as well. So and I, I have been known on the walks. I, I remember walking through a, a lovely poppy field and I was filming it and I think I sneezed and I went and told everyone, oh, Christ, I've just weed myself. <laughs> so, so the but, world got to hear about it. <laughs> exactly. And I thought, do you know what? You know, it's something natural. It's what we, you know, it's what we sometimes do. And I thought the way that I look at things, because I'm quite open about, you know, what the issues that affect our family. And I get feedback and I get people say, do you know what? That's, oh, I, I thought I was the only person that thought that. I was the only sort of person that saw this. So my idea is that, do you know what? I'm not the only person that's going through this. So if somebody else sees me sneeze and wee myself a bit and I say, do you know what? That's, you know, that it happens. Yeah, then you're I'm, giving you know, permission to other people. Yeah. To, yeah. One last thing I want to ask you about on this, and then I want to ask you really more about how you manage in terms of products. But the thing I want to ask you about is smell. I think probably every person with incontinence I ever talk with is scared stiff that they smell they almost never do (laughs) but the fear that they might is this a a big thing for you guys as well yep yeah Yeah. huge so what do you do about that do you just make sure the windows always open or do you use lots of deodorant or what do you how do you how do you handle it i handle it with changing quite often and putting the waste in a closed bag and then in another bag and bring it to the ace every day. Yeah, yeah. I think I get a bit paranoid about it and probably change maybe too often sometimes. I do check my underwear for signs of wet patches. Bowels obviously are a lot worse and that needs to be sorted out instantly. If I'm going to be in an environment where I may not be able to get to the loo immediately, I Sometimes wear those awful um, plastic pants over the top that gives uh, protects from odour a little bit. No, it's something I do probably wash more often. I do use deodorant in situations to cover up. I mean, I've heard, I've gone to continence nurses and they say what exactly what you said. You know, you'll have 10 people and they say nine out of 10 people, they won't know that they're incontinent. So I know the the fear is not matched by the reality, but the mental health side and your fear yeah, yeah. that people do know yeah, means that, that you become, you know, sensitised to any hint that yeah. that would be a problem. And I yeah. know it's more psychological fear than reality, but it is something that does certainly uh, play on my mind a lot of the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Let me ask you folk now about the products that you use and how well you think you can manage the leakage that that you have to deal with. I wonder maybe we could start with Tonica again. You've each of you already said a little bit about this, but so what's what's your routine, Tonica? What do you particularly the absorbent products we're interested in in this in this context? So how well do they work to the extent that they don't? What are the what are the shortcomings? It has to work because there is nothing else. Right. And, well, it's too. Uh, it has to be big because it has to contain quite a lot in one go. It never does because if it's too much, it's always a leakage. 
but also if you use only a pad and you go to the toilet and you go to the toilet in a hurry, the backside of the pad drops and drops into the toilet. And that you realize too late. Well, if you're at home, it doesn't matter too much. But if you're out, it's rather unpleasant. So that would be a big improvement if that was like the sanitary napkins. They've got adhesive strip in it. Okay. If that that was there or a small one somewhere, that it sticks to the pant you use to have it uh, done. And uh, for the night, I use the kind of thing, you know, with the adhesive strips at the side. Mm -hmm. And they fit nowhere. I've got, I need the nearly biggest size, but that it fits not properly and it also leakages. It's okay. not very consumer friendly, I would say. Can I just clarify something with you, Tonica? So when you talk about the the back end of the product dropping in into the yeah. toilet, do you mean that you want to put it back on? Well. If it's only a bit uh, drops on it, in it, then yeah. I use it again. Of okay. course, I'm not uh, throwing away. I always, yeah. I, I already yeah. produce uh, so much waste that right. I uh, try to keep it as low as possible. Got you. Okay, got you. And then the other thing you talked about was the fit, which I know is a real challenge for manufacturers because we're all different shapes and sizes. I know. And you can't have a million sizes on the supermarket I shelf, know. you know. So that's that's a point very well made because if it doesn't fit, it's it's going to limit performance, isn't it? Yeah. And also, I have to wear two sizes bigger slags to okay. uh, to make it invisible. Okay, to take account of the space that it takes up, yeah. got you. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Is the situation? Do you relate to what Tonica just said? No, I, I, I certainly do re- relate a lot to what Tonica said. I have again because I had similar issues to Tonica in terms of the volume of leakage and also the bowel issues. I tend to go for the bigger product. And there is the issue if you leak when you're sitting down, and obviously. My anatomy is slightly different to my two <laughs> colleagues and the padding for men needs to be more at the front and that and that's certainly an issue. And if you're sitting down and you lose your bowels or your bladder, it's a different situation to if you're standing up. And also I totally relate to Tonica's issue at night time. I used to use smaller products because I leak less, but over the years it's got worse. So I tend to use the tape style products all the time now. And there is that issue if you sleep on your side, no matter what size big pad you have at night, you will still leak. And there's also the issue of fit. And I wear those Lycra type shorts for continence pads just to hold everything in because things move around. And then there is always the chance that things will move and then you leak down your leg or something. And so there's always things to think about. So that's interesting. You both of you are saying that we've some way to go, really, in terms of containing leakage. Is that is that fair? Yes. For you, at least, and some of your yes. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Rebecca? Because I know you tackle things a little differently. Obviously, you, you've said that the volumes you're leaking are, are rather less than Tonica and Chris are talking about. But tell us how you contain your leakage. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's mice. They're constantly weeing wherever they go. That's kind of me. So it's kind of like little bits, <laughs> little dribbles. But over the course of the day, um, that can make me feel quite insecure and feel like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm starting to smell a bit. But then going on, I, I've actually used the DIY way of doing things, which is just a rolled up bit of tissue paper. And then I've used um, the tiny little discrete pads. The trouble that I have well, with both of them. Well, the first one obviously just falls apart after a while anyway. And the second one, I find I get quite, I'm quite a sweaty person anyway, whether I'm doing all of my fitnessy things or not. And I find that anything that is like a pad instantly just locks everything in and then just makes me sweat. And then that then smells. Um, so that's where I really feel very, very insecure. So the, the things that I need, because I'm wearing like sports outfits and things, I need something to be discreet. I mentioned that I do pole. I was actually at pole on Sunday and I did actually have an accident when I was at pole on Sunday. I didn't have anything on at the time. But if you can imagine pole, <laughs> you do wear little tiny little things. So you do need something that's kind of discreet to fit into that. And in my situation, contain the little the little dribbles that I get when especially when I throw myself up a, a metal pole. <laughs> so I can just see now the, the niche specialist product from one of the companies, <laughs> the pole dancers pad, don't you think? Yeah, can if we can make them that? some funky colours, that'd be really cool. Yeah, there you go. I think there could be there could be a marketing opportunity there. Maybe it probably is. You, you could be famous, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Something I wanted to ask all of you that you haven't mentioned, but again, I think it commonly comes up, is about comfort and skin health. So mm. do, you, do you have to be careful with your skin or is that not an issue for you? Or Chris, you sound you might be relating to that. I'm involved in a project with, and I know it's, it gets termed incontinence-associated dermatitis, IAD. And I have had times when particularly the bowel issues, because that, that's quite corrosive on skin. And I've been in situations where I've had a bowel accident and not been able to change immediately. And that can cause skin problems. And again, it's also about knowledge. I use a barrier cream now, but when I first started on this journey, I didn't know about things like that. And that can really cause a, a lot of damage to skin. And I know with elderly relatives and, and other hospital patients that are in pads all the time or in bed that can be a real problem you can end up with ulcers and things but I, on a personal level I have had problems and certainly I think if you're doubly incontinent the combination of the urine and, and bowel problems can can be difficult so yeah. I, I mean you know changing if you change and are able to change and you can clean yourself and like tonica I have a huge bag that in, contains wipes cleansing foam and barrier creams you and, and if you manage it well it's not normally a problem but you know i can relate to the heat issues with what rebecca was saying the bigger pads the pads have got better over years because they're breathable but you know something that was a plastic back one is dire you know you're sweaty and then you end up with all the issues around you, you know sort of chafing mm -hmm. and sweat so yeah it, for me it is a is an issue but well managed you can by and large make it okay but the problem okay. is it can be once you have an issue it takes a while for your skin to recover once it starts it's difficult if you can prevent it is the best option gotcha 
How about you, Tonica? Is that is that true for you? Do you have to be careful of your skin, or is that not an issue? I'm the lucky one out here. Never a skin problem at all. Hey, well done. <laughs> Very well, good. use barrier cream as well. Okay, okay. It's a standard uh, joke in the family. We you call it Dario cream, <laughs> like the friends Dario. <laughs> Very good. How about you, Rebecca? Is is you already mentioned about sweating, but that's I think you mentioned that more in the context of smelling than skin health. Is that fair? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever had any issues around because no. obviously, if it, as soon as I realise that that's just, that's an issue, then I yeah. will go and sort myself yeah. out. So yeah. yeah. I've got to that point. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. I'll tell you something that fascinates me in all of this. When I started out 40 years ago, companies had their pad for incontinence. It was for both genders, any age, any severity, any everything. Mm. Here is our product for incontinent people. And I think there's one big change I've seen over that period is the realisation the market, if you put it in those terms, is really quite segmented. You're all talking about the same kind of issues of secrecy and skin health and smell and containment of leakage and so on. But the way that that has to be delivered for you is quite specific to your lifestyle and your particular priorities. I think sometimes that isn't appreciated too well. There is a diversity here. It's not all one homogeneous group. But uh, so it's an interesting observation, I, I think, if I, I look back, back over a few years. So if I were to ask you now then, because we hope that actually people who are going to be listening to this interview, there should be some creative people there who are pretty good at addressing needs when they're identified. So if you had the ear of all of these people and you had a wish list, what would you like your products to deliver better? Or maybe things you'd like them to do that they don't do very well or that they don't do at all yet? Tanika, what would you say? The adhesive with the huge pads, that would be a lot of, how do you say it, easier to wear, I'm right. sure. Actually, the first thing that comes to mind for me, the other things, well, they're not nice, but I can manage. Okay. But that is because it's, uh, usually I used to use them at night as well, but yeah. at night I'm disorientated and I'm yeah. um, very sleepy because of my other... Uh, illnesses then you have to do it in the dark because you don't want to uh, be obtrusive and things like that yeah so it's always and i forget it don't for us yeah Yeah. so so just to be clear tonica you say what you would like this adhesive to do is what secure the product in place better in your clothing is that yes then i have special pants uh, to keep them in place Okay. But then you have to pull them down. And okay. then in this case, because it's uh, it's uh, sticky to your bum. Okay. And then when you sit down there, it drops. Okay. So this is to do with the ergonomics of, of changing them as well, I think. Yeah. Am, I, am I, Have I got that right? Okay. How about you, Chris? Is that what will be on your wish list? I think I've got about a thousand things on my wish list. Oh, wow. List. Well, give <laughs> us the first three. Give us the three at the top of okay. the pile. You know, you were saying about you know, everyone's uh, different needs. But I think even the same person can have different needs at a different time. So I can relate to Rebecca. If I want to go for a walk, I don't want to necessarily wear a really big pad. And at night, I want something that I'm not so worried about, maybe discretion, but I want 
to work well. And then maybe there's a sort of, you know, regular day type pad. But for me, it's, it's always that compromise between the discretion of a product and the absorbency. And it tends to be the thicker the product. I mean, I know that the technology and, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Technology is such that it, it, the products have got thinner and better. But I still think there is, you know, a way to go. And obviously, anatomy-wise, with men and women, you know, the the padding needs to be in different place potentially for men than the women. And the manufacturers have taken that on board. And the pull-on style pants, you basically want something that can take away the waste product with minimum thing that you can keep on that that is unintrusive and is comfortable to wear and also doesn't necessarily look like a, a child product. But obviously, <laughs> there are compromises that you have to make. And if NASA has been struggling over the years uh, with it, you realize that it's not an easy issue. And the more I understand this field, the more I realize that there are no easy fixes, but there's lots of things that could be improved, I think. Right. I'm, I'm really intrigued by what, one of the things you said, which I've heard a lot in the last few years, is the realisation that, that the same person may want a different way of managing things depending on what they're doing, time of day, at home versus out of the house, at work or with friends or whatever. And I think that's, that's so important. So it, it might not even be down to so which one product is best for a person. The answer might be a, a, a set. How about you, Rebecca? What's going to provoke you to give up your wadges of tissue? <laughs> I think it'd have to be more breathable in my case and discreet enough to be able to wear with leggings and things. Okay. And obviously, because I'm going to be moving about quite a lot with some of the activities that I do, something that stays in place a bit better because I can find that they've sort of ridden, even with the sticky back and everything, they've kind of like ridden up. Or The trouble that you get with the discreeter ones is that they're slimmer and right. you end up with this tiny little screwed up mess in the end. So you've actually okay. got a problem where it's not going to be doing anything because it's got twisted with all the movements gotcha. that you're doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Whereas obviously if I'd worn something bigger, then I'm lending myself to being obvious to people in the class that I'm wearing something. Yeah. So, so you've got you want a, a combination of discretion but with confidence. So not, yeah. not so discreet that you might miss it as it were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. Is there anything else in there? I was going to say breathable as well. I know know, um, that we've been saying that, you know, that has improved over the years, but I still find that maybe it's because of the activity I'm doing as well. But I just think that they need to be more breathable in that respect or or a way of um, locking in the smells. Yeah. Um, I'm, in, I'm encouraged that actually that each of you in your way have said, well, hey, things have moved on, you know, so so I think there's a gratefulness for what's been achieved so far. Things are certainly a whole lot better than they were. But I think you're all saying in an encouraging sort of way, but there's more to go yet. There's more improvement to be had. Wow. How about you, Tonica? You've been listening to these folks. Have you come up with something else that you would like fixed? Well, I heard that there was one product for a person, but here in Holland, I can order three or four different products and put them for the time being, so I can change around. That's interesting. Right. I think you're you're a little ahead of the way things are in England on that one, I'd say. But there we go. 
I've got three different types uh, of uh, products here. Three models. So Behind me, there is a door, and it's up to the ceiling now. Oh, <laughs> that's your pad's door, is it? <laughs> I, I want to ask you something, but I'm just going to give Jack a little warning. Jack, maybe you've got a question or two in a minute. What I was going to ask Tonica is if you could take us through, you said you have three or four different products. Yes. Could you tell us which ones you use in which circumstances and why? Well, I've got the heaviest pads. I use that when I go sh to the shop and out uh, of the door sometimes. Okay. I've got a one step less heavy pad. I use that when I'm at home. And yeah. I've got the, I call it pamper type. I don't know how the other call it. I think they call it slips. And I use that at night. Gotcha. So, so that's three. So it sounds like you've got the real absorbent one when you want to be bulletproof when you're out, outside. And well, then and you've got a daytime at home and a nighttime at home. Is that, is that right? Nighttime, uh, yes, that's more or less right. The yeah. nighttime stuff I also use when I go to the theatre uh, the because oh, okay. I can't go out uh, very quick. Okay, okay. Mm. Wow. So, that's, gotcha. uh, so you've thought this through. You've got your kind of... Which oh, well, product will work best for your different circumstances? I had 30 years of experience. So oh, there you go. You're an experienced wearer. I am. Yes, yes. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Jack, is there anything that you, have you been scribbling down hundreds of questions here? Or go for it. I did want to ask that that same question to, to Chris that you just asked, Tonica. The, I imagine dealing with both urinary and bowel incontinence, you probably have a couple different options that you like to use. And if so, can you explain what situation calls for which product? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's very similar to Tonica, actually. At nighttime, I would use the slip style product. So my night isn't disturbed and you do tend to, over the course of the longer time, obviously you leak more and, and have issue. In terms of my bowel, I use the bowel clearance, obviously, but pad-wise, I do exactly the same as the bulletproof when you're out and about if i'm going on a train for example i always do pad up very well because you never know whether the loos are broken so when you're on a car journey you know you want something bigger but as, as tonica says when you're at home you don't need as big a product or as absorbent and if i know i'm just popping to the shops i wouldn't wear a really big product and obviously i do mix and match as well and I get my products through NHS, so they're reasonably helpful in terms of giving me a choice of product, but I am limited by the number, and I do end up having to top up myself with extra things like the sort of pull-on style thing. Mm. So it, it is about choice, and as Tonica said, you do get experience, and it's a hit-and-miss experiments to try when you first have issues, and then obviously if you're condition changes, you have to sort of move up or down or what have you. So it's a learning curve and it can be an expensive learning curve as well, which can be problematic. Yeah, absolutely. I guess maybe a wishful thinking question. If there was a product that in theory could cover all of that, you know, the kind of light leaks and the heavier pads and the overnight, I mean, would you jump at the chance to, to try that out? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've often thought about designing something myself. You know, I, I see the limitations of certain products and I appreciate there's been a, a lot of thought put into them, but um, 
you can certainly see, you know, with, with Alan being a materials scientist, you can see that there's always that issue of cost against the actual product itself. And there are things that you could come up with, you know, maybe more maneuverable, but I, I know that things like the elastines or lycra is expensive and absorbent, super absorbent material is expensive as well. And there's the environmental issue. I was on a conference recently talking about the environmental impact. And, you know, as Tonic was saying, you do feel guilty that you're using a lot of plastic. But then there's the reality that you need a product that's going to work and that reusables are not always a possible option. So it's, but yeah, if you could come up with a product that was comfortable, discreet, and you could absolutely 100% rely on, that would be the sort of gold standard dream product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that last part interests me because, I, I, again, I've heard many, many times people say, well, you know, once I've had a, a, a mega accident with whatever it is, then, you know, I'm very nervous about using it again. That there is a, There's that kind of risk, you know, the what if, what could go wrong is a real, real issue. Sorry, Jack, I butted into your question stream there. You go, no, no worries at all. No worries at all. I wanted to touch on the point that Tanika and, and Chris, you just brought up kind of the sustainability side of things. It's a big trend in every industry and the, the absorbent hygiene product industry is no different. And wanted to ask you all to kind of expand on, you know, you mentioned some of the guilt or the worry about needing to use these single use products because you have to, but it kind of going against the motivation or, or your want to be more environmentally friendly or sustainable. And I was wondering if you could expand on that. The incontinence market is a little bit behind maybe the menstrual health and baby care markets and offering some of these these sustainable products, but moving in that direction, I will say, but it's definitely not there yet. And it sounds like that's something that you all want. You would you would want that. Yeah, it, it, I, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. Um in Finland, uh, talking about sustainability with pads uh, at Tempe University. And it's certainly an issue, and particularly, with, you know, the plastic use. But at the same time, I do get worried when they're trying to phase out plastics in disposable wet wipes and things. And it's like they have to give a product that replaces it that's just as, you know, that works just as well. You know, if you're going to replace something that mm-hmm. does work with something that suddenly doesn't, it's got to be a product that actually does work and is is sustainable. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are. I mean, obviously the tree pulp and what have you is, is what the sort of standard now, and and then the polymers and all those things. But I don't think it's beyond our thingy that we could look at sustainability in terms of like I have done with you reusables with bamboo or something, and and look at other possible materials. And it's yeah, I mean it's be quite an exciting field i imagine and i don't see why they couldn't be used and i believe i think in japan they even use some they use disposable nappies as a fuel for, for so it's quite an interesting field and my my father was a material scientist so i've got that interest like you know like alan's interest and stuff so but it, it do worry because the amount the amount of stuff i put in my bin each week is crazy and it's just also the add-ons. It's the bed pads. It's the disposable gloves. It's the plastic bags to put products in. It's all this added sundry that you don't realize. And then you think at the end of the week, gosh, you know, 
I'd love to not fill my bin up and think less was going to the waste. But then in terms of hygiene and in terms of protection for yourself, you still want the products to work, but you do worry about that side. Yes. Um, yeah. Tonic, I see you agreeing and, and you mentioned it earlier. Well, I started off with towels, old towels to uh, keep dustbin empty, but that wasn't, it didn't work, not at all. So that was uh, and plastic uh, things like that, but that was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It does seem to me though that there is a somehow the tide has has turned, has changed. There is now, I think, a far greater desire to sort these things. Obviously, there aren't there aren't trivial, simple solutions, but it's it's how to move in those directions without compromising performance, isn't it? That's the if you want to. Capture it in one core challenge. I guess that's probably it. Well, you have to to feel comfortable with it. Yeah, gotcha. Can I slip in another question that's kind of sideways of that? And that is that another trend that we've seen in the last maybe 10 years or so, I would say, is a move toward products resembling more regular underwear. Yeah. Um, so particularly with like the pull-up, pants and that kind of thing you know they at least notionally look like regular underwear and the and the men's ones in particular don't look quite so frilly and ladylike as they used to is that important to you or is that kind of cosmetic irrelevant it's okay if perform the same way or even better than what we have now okay and that's the main thing. If they were okay, they do work and they look even yeah. a bit nicer, oh, then it's nice. But it doesn't uh, okay. have to. It's on the nice addition, but performance is the main thing for you. Is that fair? How about you, Chris? Would you say the same? Um, I, I'm slightly different. I, I, I would like a product that does look... I mean, I think there's two markets anywhere. There's the sort of consumer market, the supermarket that people will hide their issue and, and maybe not involve medical people and just go and buy a product and they tend to be the and again it, it, there is a divide between male and female and i'm grateful that there are products now that are darker color um they seem to you know black or gray or blue is man color but it is, it's quite interesting because you know this this obsession with white being clean and and also we've been i've been involved with projects looking uh in you know with ethnicity and skin color and, and, okay. and, and, and there's the flesh tone colored products but obviously everyone's got different skin tone and, right. and that, at least people are beginning to think about that and a bright white product is a nightmare because it can be spotted a, a long way off and i <laughs> and there, are t there tend to be two markets there's a sort of medical market the hospital market where it's maybe more on the product itself but then yeah. there's the consumer market and the, the, the problem is, for me, the consumer market tends to, they look good, but they're less absorbent. So I, as much as I like the look of them, and there is the issue if you've got something that's pulled up and down and you need to change it. People remember, if you're wearing a pair of jeans, that requires taking your trousers off and what have you okay, and, and yeah, put it, putting a product back on again. So there's always pros and cons to all this. Yeah. But it sounds it yeah. sounds from what you're saying is it maybe a little more than tonica that appearance that attempt to normality is maybe a little more ticks your box a little more than yeah. it does tonicas I I think how about you Rebecca 
No, I, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not in a situation where I'm getting anything on the uh, on the NHS. I'm buying these things myself, so yeah. I am going to the, you know the supermarkets and getting yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I quite often favour the menstrual pads over the other ones because yeah. because they're cheaper and also it means that I can get them for my daughter and then we can double up. Right. I'll be honest with you, it does break my heart when I have to throw things in the bin and obviously with my DIY ones, they can just go in the toilet like, you know, like normal toilet paper. So I don't feel so bad about that. And the sustainability is, is quite, quite a big issue for me. I think we're all in the situation where we, we're all thinking along the same lines. We'd all love to do something better for the planet. But, you know, whether we can or not is and still have a product that does what it's supposed to do is another matter altogether. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm when I do get things, I'm buying them. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, I know I've said about it needing to be discreet, but also cost is is a big thing for me. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So I will honestly, obviously, if if it's my kids, I'd spend you know millions and millions and millions. <laughs> if it's little of me, I just go. I just go. Yeah. For the yeah. <laughs> that was a question I wanted to ask, and I think the situation in some of the countries in Europe is probably different than here in the United States, where you maybe have more cost-effective or government-supported options. We, we don't necessarily have that here. But one, it's you, each of you to kind of touch on maybe some of the limitations or frustrations with the cost of, of products. Because I imagine, as you mentioned, Rebecca, I mean, it's in your mind when you're purchasing, trying to find the balance between cost and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Sounds right. No, no just going to say that cost is an issue and for me but also the nhs in terms of and the pull-on style are more expensive because i think they have more light type material in them and so yeah and there is a premium you you do pay a higher price for a a more comfortable product i think the uh, the sort of cheaper end of the market is more the sort of less breathable so it, it is an issue okay well I think we're actually coming to the end of uh, end of our time now. So I guess it would be good, firstly, to thank you. I hope I hope you've enjoyed joining us and having the opportunity to to say your piece. But I've listened to folk living with incontinence for lots of years now, but I still find it very humbling to hear you tell your stories and to explain what's important to you. And please continue to do it because there are some very creative people around who are, are very interested and motivated to do things better so that people like you declaring things clearly can only help with that process. So uh, I would want to thank you so much for joining us. I imagine Jack would echo that also. Yeah, I can't thank you you all enough. I appreciate you allowing me to join the call and, and share your stories with me and being open and, and honest about it. And I just want to share my appreciation for allowing me to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Before we close this episode, I wanted to take the opportunity to promote an upcoming event focused on incontinence. The event is called Incontinence, the Engineering Challenge, and this will be the 14th iteration of the event. The conference brings together engineers, scientists, clinicians, researchers, commercial designers and producers, and product users to help solve the problems that people with bladder and bowel dysfunction and their caregivers face. Alan Cottonen, who you just heard from, helps organize the event 
and always hosts a user panel similar to the one you just heard. So if you are working in the incontinence market and want to meet with others who are trying to overcome the challenges faced by those managing the condition, this is the event for you. It will take place in Bristol in the United Kingdom on November 29th and 30th of this year. More info on the conference is available in the show notes. Well, there you have it. I'm not sure how you could hear those stories and the feedback from the panelists and not think that just maybe there are some areas of improvement for the products you make, whether it be adding an adhesive backing to keep larger pads in place, like Tonica mentioned, a better balance between absorption and discretion, like Chris requested, or Rebecca's request for better breathability and improved stay-in-place performance for pads. There's certainly no shortage of ideas out there for better products. So hopefully, what you heard from these three panelists and what you will hear from three more panelists in a few weeks will leave you with some great ideas for how your own products can be improved to better serve your consumers like Tonica, Rebecca, and Chris. Task to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Tonkovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our moderator for today's discussion, Alan Cottenden, who you can find on LinkedIn. And a very, very big thank you to our three panelists for sharing their stories, Tonica, Rebecca, and Chris. As a thank you to the three of them, we made a donation on their behalf to their preferred incontinence-focused charity, and we'd like to encourage all of our listeners to do the same. And to help you do that, we have listed their preferred charities in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.